0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. Hope you've had an awesome week. Hope you're having a good day. Maybe it's first thing in the morning. That's a horrible thought, isn't it? That you're having to listen to my voice first thing in the morning. Anyway, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, whilst driving, whilst running, whilst doing whatever. Thank you so much for downloading uh, this week's show. This one is two voices which may be familiar to some of you more than others. Andy is a coach with us here at Inner Fight, and Jamie basically runs the whole place. So if you come to the gym or if you've listened to podcasts, I think this is Jamie's second or third time on the show. Andy has been on quite a few times. We talk about loads of different CrossFit stuff. Today, I have got them talking about, this was actually one of the easiest shows to put together because I basically just asked them, each of them to come with five different lessons they've learned from sport that transfer over into life. So they basically did my job for me, which was absolutely awesome. But what better two guys to have this conversation with? Both of them come from really strong cultural backgrounds, as well as super strong sporting backgrounds, team sports. Mainly rugby, so this is a little bit rugby heavy, but that's okay. And obviously, as some of you also might know, Jamie has been a father for about two years, so there's quite an interesting angle on it there as well. Are you tight on time or absolutely have no clue what to cook, how to cook, or are simply a little bit tired of buying things that you think are healthy, only to find out by probably some smart friend who raised your fridge that they're not? Well, we might have the solution for you. What about home-cooked paleo food delivered to your home or office? You can have breakfast, you can have lunch, you can have dinner, you can have snacks. You can have less than that. You can have more than that. You can have extras at the weekend. You can even have extras for your friends. Yep, that is what is available from Smith Street Paleo, as all of their meal plans are gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and made with quite a lot of love. I personally have eaten paleo for over a decade and to be honest, I feel pretty good. I've also managed to maintain sub 10% body fat for the whole time. So I guess I could say for me it works and it may work for you too. With the removal of gluten, grain and dairy, it pretty much should work. Give the guys a shout over at smithstreetpaleo.com to find out more. This is episode number 778 of the Inner Fight Podcast. 11 sports life lessons with Jamie and Andy. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Andy, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Marcus.
0: <laughs> Jamie Clark, number two. Number three. Number afternoon, three, I think, oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, three. It is three. Yeah. What do we have? Intro one, then we're talking about something, and then this one. Yeah. Every time I think about getting you on, mate, I always remember you saying, yeah, I don't get invited much. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. Two sportsmen join me to talk, or join you guys as well, to talk about sport in life. And we've come up with basically, we think there might be 10, but there could well be 12 different points of where participating in a sport brings a massive carry over into life or, or a big positive or even just some characteristics into life. So with that in mind, let's kick off Andy. We, we, we might go like a tennis match one to the other or I might just try and <laughs> ju- jump in. And so I've got a couple as well. So mate, give us your first one. What have you learned in sport that really f- spills over into life?
1: Um, I, I think the first one that got installed with me from a young age and stayed with me through of high school and into uh sort of my rugby playing days was it didn't matter how talented you were nothing ever replaced hard work <laughs> um you know my uh, i was always up early playing some form of sport with my folks yeah um, i went to a school that allowed me to play sport all the time um and i was always looking to put in uh, extra work. And I, I suppose where that's transferred into life outside of sport is it's the same thing like I do with my, my PT business and, yep. and that sort of stuff. But, you know, when things might not necessarily be going well, mm. just putting in the graft will always pay off at some point. Do you reckon when you're at school, mate,
0: did you put more, cause I often think about this on a personal level, did you put more work
1: into sport than you did to the classroom? 100%. I I chose... <laughs> I chose I remember driving in for my exams at uh, the boarding school and we drove through these gates and for the first five minutes, all I saw was rugby fields. Yeah. And I've never wanted to pass an exam so much in my life. Right. Because you'd go to school for 12 weeks at a time with a break here and there. Yeah. And half your day was playing sport. <laughs> um, so where I could, I was on a rugby field, a cricket field. I was running... I did everything from soccer to basketball just to be able to play sport. I even
0: went to a Latin lesson to play sport. <laughs> <laughs> Cluggy, it sounds like all your eyes say that you had similar things, mate. Were you the same? Yeah, it was all about
2: uh, sport. I wasn't much of an academic, so I just used to try and do everything I could to get out of the classroom. <laughs> did you, obviously your old man's a, a teacher,
0: mate. Did, was it? Different, like, because he's obviously a massive sportsman as well. So, but he probably knew what served you right on an academic level. So, how did that come
2: down? Uh, Balance, I think. Um, They always encouraged me to do obviously sport, but obviously. Work and school always came first as well. So, And as long as I was getting the bare minimum grades, which I usually did, <laughs> they were pretty happy with, with that. So, yeah, and I was too scared to I'm scared of him anyway. So whatever he said, I'd usually do. <laughs> uh,
0: I always find it interesting because I got that a lot in my report cards. If, if I only put in the same amount of work in the classroom as I did on the sports field, and I never had any problem working hard on the sports field, I'd probably have got good grades, but I didn't. <laughs> let's put the ball over in your court mate what have you got for number one or number two let's go to
2: um i think for me just learning how to communicate i think sport teaches you a lot in terms of um you're not necessarily playing with just your mates all the time you're dealing with different people and and you're put in different situations where you have to communicate under different scenarios so i think from an early age just being able to talk and communicate with people and I often found myself in kind of leadership roles through sports, so having the ability to talk to teammates is quite important for me. So, um, yeah, I think that was something that I've certainly learned and it's given me the confidence to be able to do that sort of thing in life and probably in business as well. Do you think it's a confidence thing, mate? Or, like, because if I spoke
0: in the workplace how I used to speak to my rugby mates... (laughs) It probably wouldn't go, or well, how I probably spoke to you on the rugby field at some stage in my life. We'd probably not have the relationship that we have. Do you think it's, is it a confidence thing to, to, to communicate?
2: I think so. Yeah. I was terrified in the very early years of playing sport, but then as I found myself in leadership roles over time, I got a lot more confident. I think there's two different types of communication. There's the one that happens on the field in the heat of the moment. And yeah. that's often stuff that we probably don't want to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but then there's the off field stuff as well, just, you know, general chit chat amongst team and trying to bring people together and everyone's going through their own different things at different times. So just being able to balance and listen and then obviously feedback is I think is quite important. Especially like okay, we all came from we've all come
0: strongly from a similar sport where there's fifteen 14 teammates on the field, one ref that you need to learn to tell to get fucked in the right way at the right time. And, you know, then you've got the other 15 guys. You shouldn't say that to the ref. You've got the other 15 guys and then all the support staff. So we're actually dealing with a lot of people at one time. Do you think that brings that that confidence, mate? But does it perhaps... Change the dynamics of being able to deal with people on a one-on-one basis, or does it teach you that as well?
2: I think it teaches you both, especially if you find yourself in a role where you are managing either a small area of that team or you're in charge of that team, you're not always just dealing with all 15 people up front. There's yeah. a lot of one-on-one stuff, so whether it's you talking with the coaches or the coaches talking with you or you talking with people that need to be spoken to. Yeah, so I think you get a bit of both in team sport. I haven't played a lot of sort of individual sports, so it would be hard to I'd be comment on that, but I think from a team aspect, you learn both. What's the hardest one-on-one communication task you've dealt with in sport? Um, probably the general scenario is obviously either going to a coach with uh, an issue to do with possibly them, all yeah. the way <laughs> things are going within a team. Um, <laughs> well, I've heard
0: this one before. <laughs> right oh, this one, yeah. <laughs> and then
2: um, I think generally just sometimes, especially in, when you're in roles of captaincy, just having to have those tough conversations around who's being selected and why they're being selected. You're not necessarily the one that's delivering that to the person itself, um, when you're involved in that team, but from a coaching standpoint, I obviously had to deliver that to to kids and people say, you know, you're not starting this week and and so on. And these are the reasons why. And I think if you are clear, then they're usually pretty understanding and most of those things have good reasonings. I think as well when it's, you can pretty much tell if you're delivering that news,
0: it's, it should be like the player should always be slightly disappointed because that means they love the team enough, but they should also be understanding and responding the right way. That means they're the right person to be a part of that team. Yeah. Does that make sense? So no, no, it's, I it's agree. It's almost a little bit of a double edged sword, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And that's the same when you have t- tough conversations at home with your wife and yeah. tough conversations at work. It's, you know, if they react well to it, then obviously going to stick around for a little while. Yeah. Well, they yeah. should anyway.
0: Communication, number two. Andy, go for it. Number three.
1: Um, so, I think something I learned through sports, certainly at a young age, was people make sacrifices for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't just play rugby. Uh, cricket was a big, a big thing in our family. Um, and I remember during holidays, mum used to drive me two hours south. Yeah. And I would spend four or five hours at um, the cricket club, just training. Yeah. Wow. Um, again, putting in the hard work, but mum would sit there and read a book. <laughs> and then drive me the two hours back home and that happened two, three times a week. Yeah. Every week for wow. four or five weeks. Wow. Um, and, you know, you see that same thing when we got to sort of university and high levels of rugby. Mm. Parents, loved ones make sacrifices, put things aside to come and watch, come and support you, check on how you are. Yeah. And uh, the same thing happens here at work for me. You know, like everyone knows, you yeah, identified the amount of time that I put in training. Yeah. Uh, and i 'm not even doing it for, for money, I just do yeah. it because I love it, yeah, um, and I get that support from back home, yeah um, and Vic picks up a few things on my part to allow me to be able to to, to do, do that, that. Yeah. and I think it 's important that we realize that people do make those yeah. those uh, sacrifices or uh, allowances for us to be able to do that and support us to be able to do that.
0: You're making me smile, because I remember Mum used to also come to cricket games, but she was so busy talking to the other mothers, and I was so shit at batting, she'd never <laughs> seen me bat.
1: <laughs> like,
0: did you see those three runs I scored? She, oh no, I was talking to old mate down the way. Mum, <laughs> mum
1: um, used to have like this bazooka type lens. Yeah. Know? And it's super popular because she used to take pictures of everyone. Okay. But it, the cricket practice did pay off because it meant I actually spent some time in the middle. Yeah. And she was able to get some, some pictures. Good shots. Yeah. Have you still got some? Oh yeah, she's got like, when we go back home, she's probably got. She has a photo album for every season, for every sport. Wow. So rugby and again stuff you take for granted. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm yeah. able to look back, and she's got. Uh, some pretty horrific pictures um, and some really good ones. So you can look back at sort of 20, 25 years ago of memories, like Mm. really fond memories. Yeah. And like, I'm very grateful that I can do that. Yeah. Because those were probably that out of all my sport, my sporting career, that's probably my favorite time.
0: And it's a super interesting point, mate. Like people are constantly making sacrifices for us, whether it's in sport or whether it's to help us in our professional career that sometimes, I think sometimes I, like you appreciate that and you appreciate what Vic does for you. But I think at some stages as well, we take it for granted that we should be at these sports games or that we should be given this leeway in in work or in life and stuff. So it's a little bit of a, it's a double-edged sword, but it's nice to hear your almost gratitude for it. Uh,
1: Look, I I say it now, I don't always do it. Yeah. And it's obviously because we're talking about it, but, um, you know, if I, if I don't, I get politely reminded, <laughs> which I fully, I fully appreciate.
2: I think Pocky, those you things you always like, it's only when you look back on it you really s- think about that sort of stuff and how much people sacrifice, you know, especially parents and things like that, and where you are now and what they actually do. But in the moment, you're just like, You should be driving me to this game because (laughs) I'm playing rugby and I can't drive myself. So, But But isn't
0: it a bit different, mate? You've been a father for coming two years now and you obviously spend a lot of time with with Heidi, your daughter. Are you seeing that as sacrifice? Or are you seeing that as I've chosen this path of fatherhood and I actually, which is, you know, we see you love your daughter, which sadly not a lot of people do like that time, but you love that time. So are you seeing it
2: as a sacrifice? No, I think my wife would probably have a, a different, uh, a <laughs> different opinion sure on this listen. matter. Because <laughs> um, obviously I, I am pulled in a lot of different directions, but yeah. the time that I, and at the beginning it probably wasn't, I wasn't probably spending as much time as I should have and I've come to just over time, because it's new to appreciate when I am with her or I ha- am at home Then yeah. I have. I really try and enjoy it and um, because you blink and you miss it. So yeah. it's been a massive learning process because I was kind of like, if I want to go do something, I'll just go do it and I'll worry about everything else yeah. later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I constantly get reminded that I do have a family now and, and a daughter to look after. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's in process, but you do. And uh, yeah, it changes things for sure.
0: I mean, something we've got finite time, right? So yeah. something's got to give, and I guess you can't do everything, but yeah, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu this morning, rugby tonight. Yeah, she sleeps at that go- time anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> I can get away with that. Actually, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I, I do always think that. I mean, my parents gave a lot, and you, obviously, Andrew, as you said there, your mum gave a lot, but she probably got quite a lot as well, but I think as the the reason why I sort of dwell on that a little bit is because I think as we come, that's why the lesson is even more prevalent because as we move further up in life, these sacrifices like sometimes people are making them with less in return Yeah, if that makes sense I don't know like you know Vic's making a lot of sacrifices for you now yes you could say there's some there's some returns but it's different when it's a parent in childhood at sport
1: compared to sort of later in life yeah I like agree when or maybe it's not for for the the parent they don't see it as as a sacrifice my mum never saw it as that Yeah, if anything she probably would say she's been a little bit selfish because she gets to, to watch me play yeah. and spend time with me and stuff like that. Yeah. But I always look back at it as she gave up a lot of time where she could have been doing she other things. Do something else, yeah. Um, so, yeah.
2: Other side of the table, number four, Clocky, what have you got? Um, I put down trusting the process. I think from sport you learn a lot about obviously things don't happen immediately, although we live in a society where everyone wants instant gratification. I think when you play sport you understand that things don't, happen the way you want to straight away yeah but if you stick to it and if you're committed I think over time you can look back and say yeah the process was was right and I, and you trusted it and therefore the outcome is what you wanted or what you expected it to be yeah um I think it's even more so now when I coach people they tend to just want to see things straight away but and we have discussions all the time about the process and what it takes to get from A to B or A to Z, whatever the terminology is, but I yeah. think you learn a lot when you play team sports about, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces in, in life and in business. There's also lots of moving pieces as well, and they all have to come together as a part of that process for it to be a success.
0: Yeah. It's tough though, isn't it? When you're, we almost go through this phase, like when we're younger, we, what is it just as human beings? I'm trying to put this together. Like when we're in a sports team, when we're young, like we have to trust that process, we might win a few games, then lose, we go on a losing streak, and then we finish the season strong, and it's the same sort of whether it's in the gym that training's not going great at the moment, and it's like it'll come good, it'll come good, it'll come good, and it normally does come good mm. so it's it's an interesting I think I always used to think before when we were children we we're just impatient, yeah. but we should understand better that when we're adults, so we should we should move that sort of learning process into life, but apparently we don't.
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one of those tough things. I think, again, I look back at different times in this, my sporting teams that I was a part of, and the process was a lot clearer. clearer in some instances often put down to the person that was leading that particular group yeah so I think that has a big impact as well as obviously you have to trust the leader and then once you trust the leader the process kind of falls in place so yeah
0: I think that's that's super true isn't it like yeah. if you had a coach you say yeah we'll finish the season strong yeah. if you trusted them and therefore their processes then things are easier but yeah. otherwise it's it's often <laughs> and that's I guess that's where teams fall apart part way through a season it's not the players probably still trust the process slightly but maybe they
2: don't trust the leadership quite as much yeah I think it happens both ways either don't trust the process because you don't trust the leader or one's just not clicking yeah and you know I think and that's one of my other points is sort of learning to control the things that you can control yeah because there's a lot of things in team sport and in life that you just can't control yet people seem to think you can You know, and everyday life that happens and in business that happens. But in sport, you can only control the 10 or the 15 or the 12, whatever sport you're playing that's on your pitch. You can't control the referee. You can't control what the opposition do to a certain extent. You can put them and try and manipulate what they're doing. Yeah. But you certainly can't control literally anything that they do. So
0: i I spent my life trying to manipulate referees, mate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm still trying to do one now. (laughs) Didn't always work with all those yellow cards though, right?
2: (laughs) Uh, um, So yeah, I think that, you know, learning to control or manage the expectations of what you can control is also quite important. Let's move on. What are we at? Six. Andy? Uh, Five, I think. He
0: had five. five. Oh, no. (laughs) Trusting the process. Yeah. Oh, no, because we... I threw in an extra one I there. Skip, yeah, skipped one out. This guy put an extra one in. Anyway, we're, we're on six. It's back on your side of the bench.
1: Um, so I think a, a little bit of tenacity, resilience. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll use a good example. When I left Zimbabwe to go play rugby in South Africa, I felt like I was a pretty big fish in a small pond. Went down to Pretoria um, to play rugby with sort of... Uh, blue bulls down there. Yeah. And I very quickly became a very small fish in a very big pond. Yeah. With some very large rugby players. <laughs> and I think for my first year there, I just got battered. I was treated Amazing. as, hold a rack pad and just get run over. Um, and at, I think there was probably a dip through my enjoyment in terms of playing rugby because things got really hard. Mm. Um and it was only sort of when I stepped away from that process because of an injury that I reflected on the challenges that were being thrown in front of me. And I can either go in and make the most of it while I can because the time we have playing sport is going to be limited mm. um, and make the most of the opportunity I have because there's so many kids who end up finishing playing sport and they don't get the opportunities that, that I had. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that's what it was all about. You get dropped, you get picked um, and then you get some pretty cool experiences as as a result of it, and I think the same happens through you know what we do in life. You you get some jobs, you don't get some. Yeah. Uh, you relationships end, new ones start. So there's all these ups and downs that we get, but the one thing that we do get is we choose how we respond to them. Um, and I look back through my career, and I, there's some things I wish I responded to differently. Yeah. But having learned those lessons, that's meant I'm better at making choices now
0: this is probably a little bit of a big one and it might piss a few people off but therefore do we believe that people that haven't played sports on any kind of half decent level or or being not even played on a decent level but been involved in team sports or kids that are not involved in team sports are potentially not quite as resilient humans as those that have been I'm just on, trying to say something. I would say
1: on average, because I look at like my upbringing, um, I would say on average, then they're, they're not setting themselves up to be as resilient yeah. as a kid who's been playing sport. hundred
0: percent. How do we think kids are, and maybe father father figure in the corner here can, uh, or on the other side of the table can answer this. How, how would we build that same sort of resilience? Because it's, it, I think we all agree with Andy's point. It's like, you know, you're either in rugby, you're getting the shit kicked out of you on a tackle shield or you're losing games. No matter what sport you're playing, you are going to lose some games. At some point, unless you're an incredibly strong talent, you're going to get dropped from a team. You're going to be told that you're not quite good enough this week. You're going to come across an injury, which is a setback, which you have to get up from. So we've got a lot of things that, we're pretty confident we'll build resilience within sport, that Mm. where else do we get it in life?
2: It's a good question. I don't know the answer, but if I think about now being a father possibly and having – I would love my daughter to be able to play and compete in sport because I know it would create some good sort of things for her, but I also know that that might not happen. So I think resilience – is not only built through sport i think depending on what other activities they like to take part in whether it's painting or drawing or doing something like that the resilience will come because things will always go wrong and they should react in a way that obviously hopefully they get better from it but they're always going to have setbacks whether it's in sport or a different activity that's not sport or school or something like that they're always going to be so i think the resilience, the term or the definition of resilience might be a little bit different across different yeah, sure, different kids. But yeah, I think as long as you're creating opportunities for them to either win or fail, doesn't matter what it is, I think the resilience will come. And if you're still struggling, send them to show no weakness at age 30,
0: <laughs> 35. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take good care of them. Oh, but it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. I, I agree, mm. mate. I, I, I think I'm a little bit biased because my. Background, and my work is is in sport, I think there's probably more opportunity to have resilience, but I think mm. like kids that perhaps play a musical instrument like that can be absolutely savage as well yeah very hard to to sometimes pick up very you know if you can 't hit a note you can't mm. and and that's where i, I mean I guess we're a little bit different. If you're a rugby player, you're one of 15 and we've probably all been in a team where we were just, just just, made it and maybe because there was no one else to do the job. But if you can't hit a note on a certain musical instrument, you're, mm. you've got no chance. Yeah, I think you know? Jamie,
1: Jamie hit the nail on the head there where it was ex- exposing kids to the opportunity to be challenged. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I, it. Whether or, not, whether or not it's sport or playing music or painting or just in, in, interacting with other kids. I yeah. it's exposure to environments that create that. And obviously, sport is one of the best places for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's just the exposure to it.
2: After resilience, what comes next? Um, on my list is time management. Um, yeah. I think I had a saying in on one of the teams that I was in, if you were... Uh, 10 minutes early, you're on time. Yeah. If you're on time, you're late, and being late was unacceptable. Yeah. And I think, and a lot of people, just for whatever reason, their time management or their lack of respect to the others is pretty much out of control, right? We see it all the time. Yeah. Um, But I think knowing that there's other people that rely on you, that expect you to be there, if you're late, obviously has knock-on effects to other things. Um, That's something that I've learned... A lot and sort of the teams that I've been involved with and now the teams that I've started to coach and take over is that that's sort of the benchmark for for just general respect and um, it just carries over into pretty much daily life right
0: yeah yeah no it's true mate. I think it's it's interesting and I think we've all probably had that talk from a coach lateness you've not only let yourself down but you've let all these other other fellas down and Maybe that's why the three of us sat around this table are quite, quite keen on on, on sure. time management. I don't know if other... Jeez, I feel like we might be going down a, a route here of other endeavours against sport, but if other endeavours do teach you time management quite like sport does, but because it's all based around time, and again, music could be based around time, more more the fact timing. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. I, uh, the general... Punishment at my school for or in, in teams for being late for rugby session it was just a couple of laps of the field or or a lot of time on the on the crash tackle, hit shield. <laughs> Any anything uh, more creative than that that you fellas endured?
1: Uh, I, I remember cricket practice was you just ran around the cricket field for the whole hour. Really? Yeah. So this was with first team. If you weren't dressed ready to go, yeah. Uh, I mean the guys still. Coaches at the school, um, but yeah, we just ran laps. So while the rest of the guys are on the field practicing, you just ran. Really? Yeah, ran laps. I mean, I also went to a boarding school where if you were late for Anything. school, yeah, sorry, late for for lunch, you stood outside and stared at what was called the bird, which was like a. <laughs> um, I went to a school called Falcon, and so there was a falcon on the dining room, the front of the dining room hall. Yeah, you were late. You stood out there for twenty or the twenty-five minutes of lunch. Yeah. And then you had five minutes to get in and find some scraps of food before they closed. So you, you weren't late. Really? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but they'd let you in and let you have some food. Yeah, if there was some left. I mean, it's yeah. a boarding school. Yeah. Yeah, if there was some left, you got some.
0: The bird. We should uh, stick a bird in the park here at Oliveira. <laughs> <laughs> Go and stand there. Late for the class.
2: <laughs> Go out, look at it.
0: Go and have a look at the bird. I it's think the
2: general one was fitness though, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the most brutal I've seen is just then literally he walked in late and then the coach just stood up in front of everyone and just told him to fuck off. He walked off.
0: Really? Yeah.
2: yeah. He was never late again after that. Just get out. Yep. Not today. Get out. Not today. <laughs> and that was it. We were all a bit shocked, but it worked. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It is interesting because
0: I sort of think about it with sometimes with, with people that come into a class and, you know, we're in... We've, no matter where you are in the world, there's always the potential of a traffic jam. You know, when we're on Shakeside Road, like some days it was busy there. I always feel there's two sides to it, isn't there? Like someone right now set off from from the greens or something at half three to get here for a half four class. And they probably left work early. They didn't spend time with their with their better half and la, 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 la. Yeah. And they, they sort of bowl into the gym at like 31 minutes past four and sort of sweating because they know that we don't want people to be late. And what do you do? Just shut the door on them. You so, know,
1: and it's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, when they, when they know they're late and they're running, that's one thing. When they park the car up and they stroll through, that's – so the the trick on if you want to get into Andy's class is just to come run. in
0: like turn the aircon <laughs> off five minutes before you get here. Sweat. <laughs> run. Have your shoes untied and but no, time management from sport into into life is 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 huge and I think an ever evolving or <laughs> ever 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 something one to um, I don't think a lot of people will ever manage it. No. <laughs> still, no matter how much. Always, I, always an excuse. I'm just trying to think the same people that were late to team sport that got told, they're, they're still useless with timekeeping in life 100%. now. So maybe it's just a, a skill. So does team sport develop it? Who knows? Anyway, let's move on. Andy, back to you.
1: Um, I had respect. I think we could probably bounce this one around various sports. Yeah. But, you know, coming from a, a rugby background I always got taught that there was never any back chat, particularly to the ref. Um, wise, it didn't matter what the ref, uh, what the ref's core was. Yeah, You took it on the chin and you moved on with it and you respected the position they were in. Um, I think as I moved through and I had a couple of leadership, leadership roles, you then learned how do you communicate with someone like that, Yeah, but still in a respectful manner.
0: You see, this is why I, I was just trying to improve my communication with the
1: officials. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it, mate. Thank yeah. you. Uh, how that crosses over, I don't always uh, agree with every decision that's made in, at home or in uh, business. Yeah. Um, but the one thing it has taught me is that I need to respect people's, one, their opinions. Mm. And decisions that are made, and if I don't agree with it, there's a right way of discussing it. I don't always get that right. I'm quite yeah. Um, uh, precious about certain things. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, that's always the objective: is when talking to people, is to talk respectfully, treat them as a person, um, and then communicate it in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think the way and I think that's changes a little bit from sport to sport doesn't it because in in a high speed collision sport such as rugby where everything is in the red zone for most of the time it really does do what you said like it it, it forces you unless you're going to get sent off a lot it forces you to learn to communicate in an efficient way whilst everyone's in the red which is quite a well, it's a super useful skill to bring into the workplace. Yeah. But at the same time, still ultimately challenging.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always look at, uh, you use someone like Nigel Owens as, a, as an example about yeah. how he controls the game. And there's comedians who make a joke about it is that you have these short little refs running around everywhere and these six foot five, six foot six giants yeah. who do everything they're told by this little person. Yeah. And no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is funny when you watch from the sideline Yeah. but I just look at like you know it takes a lot to take it on the chin that you don't agree with something and respect yeah. the person's position on it Yeah. and then like Jamie says I think the point we mentioned earlier five or six about there's things that you can control and there's things that you can't Yeah. it's one of the things you can't
2: Like you must have upset a ref at some stage 100% I think I've only had two cards in my life one of them was a team what a waste but I could always talk because literally most of the teams I've been in I was the captain so I had the ability just to talk to them all day yeah. and, <laughs> and communicate and you couldn't really do anything he would tell me to go away sometimes but yeah I think respect comes in many different forms and you certainly in New Zealand when you're growing up playing sport doesn't matter really what organisation obviously rugby is a big one you have no choice but to respect the elders and the team and the people yeah. that have been around for a while and and if you don't, you get punished pretty severely in one way or another. Um, maybe it's that's probably not the way these days as things of getting too PC and whatnot, but it certainly worked. Um, and I think, you know, roll that over into everyday life or business, you, you just have to respect people in a way that you you know expect to be treated, and, and that usually bodes well for those people that do. They usually get quite far, or they're quite successful in sport, the ones yeah. that... Aren't or that they either fall by the wayside or they they just get not even looked at in those organisations that that's what they really look for. I think that's the foundation of most good sports teams I agree. or sport people is just general respect in all the, all the different areas. So,
0: man, I respected all the referees. Yeah, I actually genuinely did. I yeah. I used to have a, and I still do. I think I think almost like you touched on a little bit there, Andy. Like. It, and I listened to a podcast or something recently or watched something recently about a young guy who had decided to become a, a football referee and he was getting like really badly, like literally people were chasing him to his car as he, as he went away. And I always thought that was, especially what you see around football as well. But I think I probably didn't always, it probably didn't always rear its head in the right way that I was being respectful, but without the ref, there's no game. And I always understood that I think most of most of the noise that I made on the rugby field was just to, was plainly just to wind up the opposition I think you also and s- I respected them as well but I wanted to win <laughs> so but you, yeah. also, you also
1: see it in uh, particularly in rugby and maybe we've been biased because we are yeah. rugby players around here but you look in a game even player versus player or with a ref something on the field might be heated yeah but there's always afterwards they're sitting yeah. down they have a pint together and they apologise and yeah. then on won from it yeah and uh, like, that's going to happen. You're going to say things that you don't mean. For sure. But to then come back and say, look, hey, I was wrong. Let's move on from this. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. really where it is. I think that's one of the biggest
0: things that, like, if it's like a huge thing in, in, in sport and in life is that that was a period of time. It was an 80-minute game. And we understood that we would all be just doing everything we could to win. And we can walk off the field and we can shake hands and... We can, we're not going to forget it in 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 an instant. But we can we can forget it.
2: Yeah. You know, the second you make those situations personal, and I see yeah. it literally every weekend on the field with parents and refs and, <laughs> yeah. and coaches and stuff. It's insane, mate, and, yeah. it's, and it's scary because when I look at the kid, I now know why that he's the way he is. Yeah, and that's yeah. because of the people that he's surrounded by and the people they look up to, and there's literally just zero respect for the people that. Should be getting the respect, yeah. If that makes sense, yeah, absolutely. Referees, coaches, other parents, like it's, security guard, right? It's mental. Yeah. It's insane, and that's the biggest problem I see in in probably the youth and sporting fields that I certainly hang out in. Yeah, it's just the lack of respect, and people just get too involved emotionally and personally. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's just a game, and. You walk off. And that's the same with life, right?
0: Yeah. It's a job. It's, uh, it's this, it's that or the other. It's just a game. Yeah. It's all... I think if people see sometimes life more as a game and it's a line in the sand, and but we don't. We harness those feelings. That was funny because when, when we first started speaking to grand, he's like... I was like, mate, there's no hard feelings." Like, that was you sent me off 15 years ago or 20 <laughs> years ago, mate. Like, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a super nice guy. He's got a good business. Let's see if we can do some stuff together. And it's yeah. like, but I, I, I also think sometimes, and this is probably a bit half harsh on officials, but sometimes there, there's something there that I don't know how they got to that position. Sometimes dictates how they behave within that position as well. And I know I know some referees that when they started out, they started refereeing because they couldn't take part in rugby anymore because yeah. of head injuries. And they were completely frustrated but want to stay in the game. And that frustration came out in their refereeing. And the fact that they thought they were well, they were quite good players as well, but they thought they were still a player when they were playing. And they were... So when a player would backchat them or, or correct them, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we just have to correct them, they were responding in a way that they weren't an official. So I think it's quite interesting why people... I mean, I have no idea why anyone would want to be a referee in something like the English Premier League football.
1: I don't think you could pay me enough to do that.
0: No. Because no. it's, well, it's bang on this, this, this point that we're talking
2: about. It's bang on respect. They don't yeah. have, there's no respect.
0: 95% of
2: the time, people... Uh, 95% of the population, is everything to do with their sport is all voluntary. Yes. Yeah. Which is the other mind-blowing thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. If I'm not standing here in the middle of this field right now, your son's not playing rugby. Yeah. Yet you have the audacity to start mouthing off and want to fight me and, and stuff like that. It's just like, <laughs> oh, hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But yeah. again, people's backgrounds, the way they grew up, it all plays into these sorts of things, I think, so...
0: Can imagine if you just turn around and say listen mate if i wasn't stood here you wouldn't be here either <laughs> yeah, that's crazy let me go down a treat anyway. couple more to wrap up i've got eight on the list have we got a number nine
2: uh i guess off the back of all this shenanigans about respect it's just about having fun and yeah if you're not having fun <laughs> if you're not having fun in sport or life or in business it's going to be pretty miserable right 100%. and for Yes, okay, you're getting paid to work sometimes, but I still like anything. If you're being paid for something, doesn't mean you can't have fun or, yeah. or enjoy it. Um, and if you are, then that's your fault for yeah. staying there and, and not finding something you do enjoy. But I think for the most part, and probably something I regret a little bit from my sport is, you know, because there's a certain element of health and fitness involved in, in these sorts of things, you know, Maybe not having a couple of beers after a rugby game because yeah. of X, Y, Z, or, you know, I've got to get up and, you know, be ready to go again and those sorts of things. And you hear, I hear it all the time on the podcast I listen to from ex-sports people about not enjoying those moments when, yeah. you know, when you're winning and when you're, the boys are together or the team's together and bus trips and the like. And I think, you know, you've got to enjoy as much of the on-field stuff. As the off-field stuff was, yeah, especially when you're an amateur and there's sort of nothing on the line, <laughs> Mate, you know. I
0: enjoyed every single bus trip up to Brisbane when I lived on
2: the cold <laughs> Coast. <laughs> bus trips are non-negotiable, <laughs> but um, there was other times where you just kind of head home and, just yeah, think back and like, fuck, I just sort of, you know, had a couple of beers with the lads and just enjoyed it chat, or whatever. Yeah. Just chat and hang out. So, yeah. yeah, I think fun on and off the field has to be has to be there, and doesn't matter what sport you play. I don't think. Andy, what have you got to wrap it up? If it's not good enough, we'll go back
0: to Clarke. He's probably got a couple, uh, a
2: couple <laughs> of has being a good coach than he is.
1: Um, I feel like I use this word a lot around here anyway, and I know we do anyway, but uh, consistency. Yeah. You know, coming from the one thing that through all the sports I played is that you had to develop skills. Yeah. I remember being out for hours passing a rugby ball or having someone hit cricket balls at me. <laughs> Just... To work on one part of my game. Yeah. Um, And ultimately to get better at that. So I became good enough to be selected for various teams. Yeah. And it wasn't a case of you go out and do it one day and then you're good. You went out and you did it every single week for eight to nine weeks pre season. Yeah. Um, and, And through that process, you got better. But it wasn't a case of you couldn't do it every once in a while. Yeah, you had to go out and do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I look at like you know, I think I look at business here. I look at anything I've done. Everything I've done has always been consistent. Yep. Um, yep. We talk about it's along the same lines as having processes, but what we get in, what we do in the morning when we get up, how we set up our day, how we go about doing things through the day. So it starts to become habits. Yeah, um, and I think without that through sport and working on the one percents every day to try and be better. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without that.
0: hundred percent mate. And I think it links into actually, it, it's quite funny how this conversation has almost gone full circle as well, because the first point that we spoke about was hard work always wins. And yeah. the key like hard work on a consistent basis wins even stronger, no matter if it's in sport or life. Yeah.
1: I, like, you know, I think everything for me links back to that. Yeah. But, uh, every opportunity i got at school i was down passing rugby balls or uh, i'd have someone hitting cricket balls in me. i mean to the point where i probably didn't have any mates because they were all running away hiding <laughs> <But> every <laughs> chance i got i got i was out there trying to hone my skills yeah on being better
0: clarky you want to wrap it up what have you got I guess, unless you want to let the Zimbo have the final word, but <laughs> <laughs> as we're talking, competition. It's probably it's not the opposite of <laughs> his, but it's sport.
2: it's about just trying things. And I think in sport, especially when you're young, the ability just to do a load of different things to see what happens and what the outcomes are, I think is <clears throat> is super good in terms of. Life Because you need to try a lot of things to see what works and what doesn't and what you do and you don't like, and, and in business as well, you try things all the time, and they don't work, and they certainly don't work on the football field or the rugby field or in the swimming pool all the time either, so I think just being open, yes, be consistent, but also just be open to trying new things and not being so narrow minded about you know individual skills or practices or, or yeah. what it might be. I think that cross exposure to a load of different things all the time yeah. in in all aspects is obviously super important as well and something that I think I do probably more than I probably should sometimes, just diving (laughs) and ducking and diving (laughs) and ducking, but I I like to try things out and see what works, and if it doesn't work, you just, you know, you learn and and carry on, so. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: think that's one thing that my dad taught me about sport pretty much all my life, he's like, just try as many sports as you can, and I think it's true, mate, when I think about that quickly, like stuff that we do in the business as well, so just, we come up with an idea, try it. If it doesn't work, just stop it. Like, at least we've tried it. Like, you know, we've gone to that sport. We've given it a shot. If after half a dozen classes or even after one class, you don't like it, then you stop it. Same here. We normally, our our measure is a bit different because we launch a class and no one turns up and then we realize that it's probably no good. But that doesn't stop us from then launching another class or a different program or a different initiative and that's what I always try and encourage the
2: coaches just try different things and it's on the same lines I think good coaches do do that when they're coaching people you know trying different things yeah finding out what works if it works well carry on if you need to tweak it tweak it but there's so many different skills and all those different sports that people play that it's you know don't want to be old school and just keep one-dimensional, if you want to call it that. You've yeah. Try all those different things, it and
1: comes back to your point. you uh, talking about it being fun. Yeah. For well, some it people, makes it fun as well, right? Yeah. yeah. For some people, <laughs> doing lots of different things is fun. Yeah. 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 For other people, the, but the whole point is, people generally stick at something that they find. Fun. Yeah. A bit more and, fun. And some people they know it straight away. Like I knew watching 95 World Cup, I just wanted to play rugby. Mum yeah. wouldn't let me play rugby because she said it was too dangerous. Instead, she told me to play hockey.
0: <laughs> <Which> <laughs> i didn't i didn't get it made me do that for a while <laughs> but
1: like the whole point was is like what jamie's saying is you need to get out and experience things yeah. and then you'll find you'll find the stuff you want to be doing there we go gents thank you very much we ended up thank with you. 11
0: so right. bonus there we go Give them feedback. <laughs> Let's talk about refs, whatever you want. Guys, thanks a lot for your contributions and thanks everyone to li- for listening. Have a good day.
1: Cheers. Cheers.